Welcome to Kachika, a podcast that takes you behind the scenes at the Dundas Center for the Performing Arts. Kachika is a production of Ringplay Productions. In this episode, it gives us great pleasure to welcome Scott Adderley. Once upon a time, he had the distinction of being the only individual who had been in every single ring play production from the beginning of our establishment. But Scott is known as a singer and an actor, and he has been on the Dundas stage since he was a kid. So welcome, Scott. Good evening, Philip and Nico. It is an honor to be invited. <laughs> it is great to hear from you guys, man. I'm, I miss being in the Dundas. I, I miss that life. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we've been hearing a lot of that and we missed it as well. How old were you when you decided or you started to actually realize that you wanted to sing? Okay, um, well, I was born, I'm a 70s kid, so we were brought up before the internet. Not many people had television sets. You had to be sort of wealthy to afford that. So the entertainment of choice was records and if you ever been to mom's house, Helen Bailey Adley, may she rest in peace. Everybody who went off to college during, during the 60s and the 70s came back with stacks and stacks of record. And the record player was the entertainment center. It um, supplanted the piano, I guess, at some point. But everybody had their own stack of records in the Adley family. And everybody got up and they, they sang, whether they could sing or not. And I remember growing up watching on Susan or Rhoda. Uh, Rhoda Adley, Susie Adley, uh, Uncle Opie, all my cousins. It was always a party down there. And that's how I got into the idea of singing. And I, I remember innocently asking one of my parents or something, how do I get into that? Oh, and Rhoda, the next thing I know, Uncle Opie picks up me and Randy Adley, my older cousin at the time, and carries us to the men and boys choir practice. I was like seven, he was eight. And he, we went through simple scales and whatever, just to try to see if we can get into, into the Men and Boys Choir. Where was this Men and Boys Choir? Okay, this was at Christ Church Cathedral. This was, this was in the mid to late 70s. Uh, the Men and Boys mm. Choir was the choir back in the day. It was the preeminent choral uh, group besides the Renaissance and some of the other groups that, that were out there. They, they were up there as, as far as I was concerned. Um, I remember listening to them thinking, how, how is it possible for a group of men to bring out this pure choral sound? It was something special and I knew it wouldn't last. And it didn't, um, unfortunately, but that was my introduction. I need to stop for a second because a lot of people will know exactly who you're talking about. Sure. But there's some people who will not have any idea of who Uncle Opie is. So sure. let's lock that out of the park yeah, right no away. <laughs> okay, yeah, my uncle Opie, Cleophus Adley Jr. Um, he was the one okay. he, who, who introduced me to the world of music. He was the one who pushed me. He was the one who brought me up. Even when I hated it, he, he brought me kicking and screaming from the Men and Boys Choir to the National Choir. And he was the one who tried to expose the National Choir members to other possibilities. Like when persons came over and they were shooting movies to apply for some of those roles. When um, Ringplay Productions started, that, that was one of the things he helped to push some of the National Choir members into that over time. If it was not for him, I would not be in the performing arts in the Bahamas. Could I just say about the Men and Boys Choir? I too come out of Christchurch Cathedral and some of the names that would have come out of the Men and Boys Choir at the time you're talking about, Scott, would have been people like 
Adrian Archer, mm -hmm. Brian Thompson, yes. Cleveland Williams, yes. people like that. Um, other people who didn't go on to perform, but who had equally incredible voices would have been the, the Burroughs brothers. Yes, that was before my time. I've heard <laughs> of some persons, some Dr. Robin Roberts, couple of those guys, I, I keep hearing these names. And when I look at the pictures, they, um, the Campbell brothers, Don, they were the ones who brought me up in the tennis section there. They were the ones who were telling me about some of the things that they experienced and the persons that passed through the choir. It was almost a, like a rite of passage almost. You look at these guys with these robes and they look so soft back in the day, but these guys were powerful, man. They were, it was, it was a brotherhood. And that's what I loved about that. It was, I would later experience it in a different way, playing football and rugby and other sports, but it was the same thing. From the man and boys choir is the next time you get involved in any kind of musical group or whatever, would that then be the National Youth Choir or did you do anything before um, that? There were a couple of, of little things that popped up. I have a pretty eclectic family. Aunt Rhoda used to sing in a nightclub. And so she would occasionally see if she could draft some of us to sing and like family reunions. I know I remember Julian was eight or nine, Julian Bostwick, my cousin. He was singing mm -hmm. from then. He he had his own show one time. I was I was like eight around that same age. Well, he was ten. They would push us forward to sing in church, to sing in different things, to sing at school, that 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 kind of thing. Men and Boys Choir was the next step up. I remember uh I would occasionally take breaks because I was lucky enough to be with, with a family who had connections like um Mr. Bethel, who had the Renaissance back in the day, when I saw them sing, you know, I asked Cleo Fazali Jr., who was in that choir at the time, can I join these guys? And he was like, yeah, sure, why, why, why not? And one Christmas I got to sing with them and I remember the Dicey Doe singer was like, hey, hey, young man, you know, I didn't understand it at the time. I kept wondering why they, these guys were giving me opportunities where they didn't really give children. Really, I was a teenager who, you, they didn't know what, what I was capable of, I thought at the time. Little did I know that the Adderley name preceded me. These guys were all, <laughs> all of you guys were uh, already a, a group from back then. You, you, it was a talented pool and you guys went and called the, the, mo the most talented persons you knew together. And you, they, they, let's put this play on. Let's, let's do these things. When I look at those old videos, I keep seeing the dicey those singers pop up with the, the original music of the Bahamas. And I was, and I realized, wait, these guys were groups from back in the day. You know, when we came out the National Choir, when we're doing projects now, you know, we, I think, oh, look at this unique thing we have. Nah, that preceded us. You guys beat us to the blow. But the first major production I remember doing, I was 15, was when I came back from Chicago. We, I'd lived in the States for a while. My family, Panza, Jose Adley, um, Alti Adley, myself. And I remember we got a chance to travel, see all sorts of shows. Um, when I came back, I remember it was 84 or 85. It was uh, bicentennial. It was the Queen Elizabeth was here for the, for the heads of government meeting. And right, 85. I remember Bethel had put on um, a show I'd never seen. It was The Legend of Sammy Swain. And mm -hmm. my mind was blown. It had dance, it had music, no, it, it had everything it that any of those major productions I'd seen in the US had. We were on par with anything that they could put on. I, I couldn't believe my eyes. I wanted to be a part of that. I think in that production, actually, your mother yes. was pregnant with your brother. Yes, she was pregnant so with So he was on stage. Yes. <laughs> he was on stage in, in that production. And for those who don't know, 
Scott's mother is my first cousin. She was a member of the chorus. Yeah. Was pregnant at the time and trying to even think of uh, Tage right now at the height that he is. <laughs> that was 1985 because that was the Commonwealth Heads of Government. Yes. I remember definitely you were in our boys because you, you and Pastor Mario Moxie and a few of yes. the others, your first stage production was Our, our boys. boys. That is correct. Right. That was my introduction. That would have been 87. Yes. That was right. 87. I remember I was doing my, I just finished doing my BJCs. And I remember the grueling practice and the, the eclectic characters. It was a lot of hard work. I did not realize how much work was involved with that, where you had to go and learn this complex music. That music was the most complex I'd ever seen. It, it was like, this, is, this can't be right. Is he insane? What is this, clashing chords? <laughs> this isn't what I, I wasn't used to that. But eventually we got it. We put the show on. It was big at the time. I remember going to school. Mr. Munnings, uh, he was he was my my homeroom class. He showed the class the, the newspaper front page of the newspaper. Me, Mario, Moxie, all of the us guys on stage in Defense Force white Defense Force u- uniform. I remember the scene. Mario Moxie had fainted. Yes. <laughs> and I had to bend to pick him up. And I looked up and the picture, they took that picture. The newspaper had that as the front page picture. Everybody in school saw that. I was still doing the play, mind you, but everybody saw that the next day. Man, let me tell you, my notoriety in school went up. That shot up like a rocket. <laughs> I, I, I did not realize how much credit that, that carried. Like, wait, you're doing something notable. You, you, this, is, this is history. This is the first um, opera in this region, not just the Bahamas, but I, I don't think any other Caribbean country had done one at the time. Is that correct? Our Boys was the first grand opera in the English-speaking Caribbean. Yes. And that particular production, we had brought in the Juilliard School Orchestra, which was over 50 pieces. It was a massive production. We had to take out the two front rows of the theater so we could fit the um, orchestra members there Mm. in the pit. It was quite something. And I think you were also involved in the production we did some 10 or 12 years later. Yes, for the anniversary of independence. But you you touched on something that we just kind of glossed over. You said that you had gone to a performing arts school. Yes. During the 80s, my parents went off to Minnesota. My mother started in College of St. Benedict's. Then they both went to St. Cloud State University in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Contanza Adley, my sister and I, you know, we, we went up and the school was, we went to, it, it was a campus laboratory school. It was experimental at the time, but they didn't have any grades. It was, it was a weird experience. It, only the late 70s, early 80s could give you that kind of thing. When we went to Chicago two years later, we went to a performing arts school. I think, was it a magnet school? It was called Joyce Kilmer. And Contanza and I, we both had to learn how to write plays. And we had to create our own music. We had to create our own costumes. We had to learn how to do makeup. We, we were graded on that. It was so much fun, though. I keep thinking it would be great if somebody could do something like that in this country. We would do our homework. We would learn words we hadn't learned. Then we had to write a play the next day using these words that we didn't know. We were graded on how well they integrated it. And at the end of the year, they, they did a, a whole production. All the schools came to, to see it. I did not realize it at the time, but that was fame. Yes, a high school of performing arts, exactly. Before the 92 Youth Choir, there was another youth choir. 92 was a reestablishment 
of the youth choir. And right. were you then one of the original members of that second established youth choir? Yeah, the one in the 80s that was temporary. Cleopas Adley said that once they got it together, there, was, there wasn't any momentum. I think it broke up like a year and a half after they formed it. And that had Carl right. Roach, Rhode Adley, a lot of those uh, uh, older stalwarts who you would see around the Dundas around that period of time. When he started it up again in 90... There had been 90, the quincentennial. Yes. Um, the idea 92. was... To, yes. He said the idea was to try to establish something permanent where you had uh, support from the government. I didn't understand what he was trying to do at the time. I, I'm going to lie. I didn't even want to be in it. I didn't understand it. I didn't get it. Because at the time, Bahamian music and Bahamian culture, I didn't feel was celebrated. I, I think the, that period had what felt like it was done with. I think that the heyday was the T-Connection, and after that, the, that quality of music went down. The best musician we had at the time, commercial, was um, KB. And a lot of the music he did was satire. So our generation grew up feeling that Bahamian music, music was not something that you would take seriously. And so when he told Contanza and I, you know, if you all remember Uncle Opie, he ain't asking you nothing. You're all coming to join this choir that I'm starting. I, the, the tryouts are this day and this day, you can come to either one. And I'm looking at him, Towns is like, I don't want to go to that. And Towns is <laughs> like, no, I want to go see who, who, who's coming there. And I'm thinking, you know what? That's actually, that's not a bad idea. So we went to College of the Bahamas. This is during the summer of, I think, 89. And man, a couple thousand people in the back parking lot before they had that building there. All of that was one big parking lot. That's the first time I met Dwight and Dwayne Dorsett, Janet, and all of us were waiting. And we were, I, was, I didn't think I would get in, seriously. I thought there's got to be so much talent in this, in this country, all these males, all these females. Yeah, at the time, I didn't know it, but there wasn't, not, not with males. With females, yeah, but males, this was not a country that supported its male performances, male uh, singers and artists at all. You're listening to Kachika, a podcast that takes you behind the scenes of the Dundas Center for the Performing Arts. How many years were you in the choir? I was there from I was 19 till I was like 27, 20, 27. Right. That, that's so when almost, I got almost 10 years. Yes. People see the choir show up at an independence thing. People see the video celebrate or people see certain things. Mm-hmm. But I need you to talk about the youth choir experience, especially during your time, the discipline, the rehearsal process, the traveling, and all that kind of stuff. Tell us something about that experience and the whole um, process of working with that group of people and, of course, with your uncle. Sure. Um, it, it was uh, one of the best experiences I've ever had. At the time, I didn't get it. At the time, I didn't understand what he was trying to do. It took a couple of years, and then when we got it, we saw that other people, their opinion of Bahamian culture and Bahamian music change over time. We realized that we have a purpose here. This, is, this means something. But I remember the first year, we, we didn't know which direction we wanted to go in. Um, at, at least that's what the way it felt. It felt like they were experimenting. But what I'm grateful for at the time, um, uh, Prime Minister Pinling, I found out this was more or less his pet project. He was trying to start a couple of national organizations, the National Choir, the National Orchestra. This was all a part of the, during the Quincentennial Corporation, because um, one of the things that Winston Saunders was charged with as the 
person in charge was to get these groups uh, kind of nationalized. So Lennon had asked about that, that the dance school, yes, had already been started. Right, but the dance company... The dance company hadn't, the children's choir hadn't, and the, the youth orchestra hadn't. And these were all yes. sort of, I, I don't want to say nationalized, but they were all sort of recognized at that particular time as national entities. And that was all a part of the mandate of the Quincentennial Corporation in 1992. Could I just say that, that the... Three of those entities had existed before in some form or another. The National Youth Choir had been, or a National Youth Choir, not with the same individuals, had been brought together for the 10th anniversary in 1983. Then um, the National Youth Orchestra, Duke already had an orchestra that he was leading. So they used what he had already to build the National Youth Orchestra out of. And the same thing with Pat and and Audrey, um, Pat Bizard and Audrey Wright. They already had... Um, They were working with children already, putting together a children's choir. So the children's choir came out of that. But there was no national dance company. And the national dance company was formed very particularly for 1992. Okay, I want the audience to know about the process. Because, you you know, you gear towards a concert, the rehearsal process, the dance, the learning, the numbers, the actual, you know, being choreographed. Um, yes. Being fitted for costumes and all these sorts oh. of things, yeah. Put it. Yeah. Walk us through a typical. Walk us through the first year. Walk us through the first the preparation for that first concert. Okay. Um, well, the first year when he started practicing, we started the the group was like a hundred people. I swear that first practice we were in, in College of the Bahamas main rehearsal, the main hall. And it was 100 plus people at first practice. And Uncle Obi sat us all down and gave out music. And I think the first one we did was Clement Bethel's um, When the Road Seems Rough. That was the first song I think he, he taught us. And I remember he sort of weeded out a whole lot of the persons who couldn't could not sing based on that song or other songs like it. Basic Bahamian songs. Can you hold a note? Can you hold a key? Uh, can you blend in with others? Um, do you? Can you sing, basically? We saw how serious they were about getting a group of persons who could sing because the amount of people you saw around you just kept, people kept disappearing. Mm -hmm. By the second practice, it was 75. By the third practice, it was 60. He was asking people to leave. I had never experienced a choir like that. But we realized if we didn't brush up on on our singing, we were going to be out the door ourselves. And he wasn't telling you if you're good. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. It was a weird situation where all you, all you knew is you had to be at your best. And we thought, all of us individually thought we were, we were good. But when Uncle Obi came along and he said, no, we, we want, I want the best from you. It was about respecting the music and respecting your, your ability to project um, the heart of, of what, what you're singing to the audience, which means you had to keep practicing. We come in. Saturday morning, 11. We practice until 2, 3, 4 in the afternoon. We pick up one day of the week. I think it was Wednesday or something like that, 7.30. We to be in there till 10. And, um, eventually, we moved to St. John's. But it was arduous. It was, he would, I don't understand how he had the patience to do that. He would go with every single section because most of the persons didn't read music. So we have to learn by rote. Every note. He played on the piano. The section would sing it over and over again until they got it. On to the next part. He'd do that section by section, song by song, every day that we had practice until we knew the music. That was the, that, and that's just learning the music. 
by the time we got the, the music down, it's getting closer to the, to the show. But um, we didn't sort of have a national show until 91, I think. We were able to get help of some certain persons who would do the costume. We had to get fitted for the costume, depending on... Well, back in the day, it was only one costume. Now it's a whole... That show is... They change it four or five times. They have different sections. It's, it's beautiful. But back then, you had a floral shirt, white pants, white shoes. That's the second half. Of the first half, we're doing a regular Renaissance-type concert um, with, with choral singing, gospel singing. The second half, we had we would have Bahamian music. So we had to get fitted for the, the costumes that we we're going to wear for the second half. We had to get our choreography um, well, on point. So we um, the, the St. John stage, we had to go and learn the music again. Because when, you learn, when you're on stage dancing and moving around, let me tell you something. All that, what you learn, that go out your head. So you have to learn how to dance and sing the song and how to transition from one song to the other once you had done this, which is a whole other thing. So, How many months do you say it took to get that first, the, that first concert together? You know, how much, how much rehearsal first concert, time? It took a year, easy. <laughs> a year, okay. It took us a year to learn, a, a, at least a year, probably more than a year. As, as time went on, and keep in mind, back then, every year we did original music. There was no repeating anything mm -hmm. that did not happen. Most of the problem really was not us learning the music. It was him coming up with the music. Right. He would come with, with sometimes, um, I'm telling you, we, when we got to the point where we could memorize our music, right that first year, you had to learn to memorize, you had to learn everything. He would come to practice with the music in his head. And he would tell you, sing this. Ain't nothing written down, you know. Mm -hmm. But you got to sing what he tell you. And if he changed his mind the next practice and he remembers something different, you got to change what you sing it. I think the thing is that people don't realize how long it takes, you know, to people think that sometimes, you know, yes. you just go there and, in a, you know, in a few weeks time, you get everything together and you just get on stage and they don't oh. know the process. Because I remember him inviting yeah. me to a rehearsal at uh, St. John's. And it was basically for me to talk to the choir about how to interpret or how to act a song how to actually get the oh. expression out of a song. And I remember going there to St. John's. One, I think I only did it one evening. There were two young women who used to do the choreography at that time. Yes. I think they were from Jamaica. Yes, there, 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 was, there was a lady from Jamaica. Yes. yes. And so I remember coming there one evening and, you know, just saying, you don't just sing the song, you have to tell the story. And yes. um, that was very early on. It was something that just talk to the choir about and he was really trying to get I remember that yeah <laughs> he was really true i remember you talking about it i didn't re remember this yes you came i remember that yeah. because he was trying he really was trying to get us to yes you're correct yeah that was just one occasion it was just like you know he and i had gone back quite a long time and we had worked together and he said you know i just need you to come by and talk to these kids because they're singing but they're, they're, they're not singing at anything they're not they're not their expression is just to sing and they need to relax and be able to do this. By that time, choreography was, was there. So it was a, it was an opportunity to have you guys take the music and the dance, but then add that extra element to it of being able to bring it out to the audience. So, but I really, I, I really didn't think that people knew or people don't know how much work really goes into it. And then you would have been also on the first few CDs that were produced yes, for yes, the choir. Yes, that, mm -hmm, that's correct. That was part of the process. You had to go and practice. 
you had to do choreography. We, we would go to the, the National Dance School and practice dance. We would have persons come in and train us in different techniques. We had to learn how to breathe from scratch, we, it, which is, you know, you, you don't go in there and just sing a note. We, we went through music theory. And once we finally got the show and did the show, then we had to go through the recording studio, which required a whole different type of singing. I think we did like three, four, one of five CDs, I, I think, yeah, at the you, time that I was there. You guys used to do a CD a year, pretty much. I mean, yeah. pretty close to it. So, original oh, music, yes. yes. But yeah, but that's again, we back then that was he came up with original music all the time. It, it was I don't know what Uncle Opie used to hear in his head, but it was amazing just see him sit down and he would hear this tune, and the tune would sound so familiar, like you heard it before. For people who who knew Cleophas as a singer. And mm -hmm. hear you as a singer. Mm -hmm. You all have the same voice. Mm -hmm. Really? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> you have the same voice. There's times, Scott, when you open your mouth and you sing and it's like chills go up and down. My really? Back. Yeah. You know what? That is because he trained me. He was the first person to train me. And he trained me and on, with his, with, on his technique. So it would come out the same. So thank you. Just a couple of weeks ago for the uh, Shakespeare in Paradise virtual festival, Sammy Swain mm -hmm. came on and Nico and I were watching it and you started to sing a solo line in one of the songs and she said, oh, listen to Cleophas. <laughs> <laughs> or Obelinda right. at the beginning. First line. Yes, Obelinda. I enjoyed yeah. that production. I love that. We decided to start Ringplay Productions. And yes. our very, very first production is Macbeth. is Macbeth. And it's at um, COB, the COB Auditorium. Yes. And you are one of the witches. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just quit the National New Choir. Um, I was getting ready to get married. Uh, I, I had all this training, all this energy, still in my 20s, mid-20s. And I didn't know what to do next. I know that I've been bitten by the acting bug earlier. And when I was in the National Choir, I still used to do, I did one or two productions on the side and I wanted to do more. And um, I see, I think it was in the newspaper where they advertised for persons to come and try out for Ringplay Productions Macbeth at College of Bahamas at this point, day and time. And I saw you were involved in it. And I said, oh, okay, this should be interesting. <laughs> And then Nico said, well, we, the, the role we have is for the witches. And I almost, I thought I'd sensed a, uh, almost like almost a disappointment at, at the time. Like, you know, this is the only one. And I'm thinking, man, this is, thank you very much. I mean, it, I, I consider it an honor to be asked to be in this production. It was, that was at Cottage of the Bahamas. I love that production, man. That had Queen music in the background. It was very experimental at the time. And it, it was a step. I can't even say up. It was a step to, at an angle to the side of what I was used to because I was not used to the type of production that where it was not a standard production. or it, The stage was, was uh, scaffolding right. and uh, backstage was literally backstage behind uh, the, where the persons were seating. I, it, that was a fantastic. I, I, you guys were very experimental <laughs> at the time. That was the very first ring play production. You and Jane and Khalil you were the, the three witches for that witches. climbing up on the scaffolding and witches who were talk exactly. show hosts because I, mm -hmm. that was 2001 yes and the talk show hosts had nassau for themselves so i didn't understand the concept at the time <laughs> the audience got it yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> the audience, they, they, they understood. They, they, they thought, no, I, I'm serious. I did not get, but I think part of it was because I never really got that deep. I should have read Macbeth before I, I, I did the play <laughs> so I could get an understanding of manipulation. <laughs> you know, they were, they were manipulators. I got it eventually. By the second time, I think when we did Macbeth, I was like, oh, okay, I get it now. How did Once on this Island come about? Did, was it Brian that approached you? Ah, Okay, it's interesting you you bring that up. That that was the in between. That was, that was at the end be, before ring play, and right after the national choir. It was actually around the last year I did the national choir. It was a couple of us who were in the choir. I think everybody. It was Brian's I every, idea. I think Brian everybody was, was in the choir, weren't they? Yes, but I think you guys had. I don't know. It was a lot of persons talking to each other. I don't know whose idea it was first. After practice, we got in the car and Brian asked me to listen to a tape. And it was a Broadway production once on this island. He says, I want to do this. I'm like, you want to do this? You think you can do this? He said, yeah. Dres Munnings, uh, she was going to be Team Moon. You will, you will do Papa Gay. Uh, we're going to get uh, Steve Snowy want to come in and do this. We can get all these persons in the choir to, to come and do different things. I'm like, yeah, sure. Well, why not? I didn't understand at the time how that would sort of change uh, uh, the possibilities of what the Dundas was, was, could do. I, I'd never seen anybody come after you guys. You know, when, when the, in the 80s, when the Dundas had the, the, the repertory mm-hmm. season, I didn't think anybody could come behind you guys because it was such a huge undertaking. Well, Once um, on this Island actually was a part of the repertory season because I told the yes. story before, but Brian um, was a member of the NASA Amateur Operatic Society and um, he, yes. he really wanted to direct. And they were not yes. allowing him to do anything. Seth, he, he approached me and he said, you know, I really want to direct. I want to do something. I don't have any opportunity. And I gave him the CD of Once on this Island. Yes. You? Him and Ahmed approached me. Ahmed. Ahmed. They approached me and, and mm. um, I said, okay, here is, listen to this. And see, you know, see if this would work for you or whatever. <laughs> Next thing I know, there's the production. And Adrian has come in as a musical director. And I don't remember who the choreographer mm-hmm. was. And um, I think every member of the cast, except maybe Simone. And I think every member of the cast, yes, um, um, Didi. Uh, those two, the only cast members who were not in the National Youth Choir. But you and Therese yeah. and Frank. And mm-hmm. and um, Sonovia, um, yeah, and Brian, Brian, you know, Novia, exactly. um, Sarah Fox, Sarah, right, exactly. Oh man, that's <laughs> so much fun. So yeah. so yes, yeah, we practiced for three months on that. Yeah, and I remember because you know we had to come in. Uh, you guys were working at the Kirk. David and I came yeah. in to help uh, as it was coming uh, around. We had come in to help yeah. with the, getting that production fully off the ground but that was really um uh, your first kind of musical experience and so that was actually before you did that before macbeth mm-hmm. right yes right I, I so did. i so mm-hmm. i think that we we had an idea that you know we would have seen your papa gay so the move to a witch oh, was okay. not that big a stretch <laughs> <laughs> I understand uh, now. You did bring. You did mention that actually at the time. You said that Papa Gay, you could do that. Yeah, I remember right. that now. I don't know how you remember these things, man. It's a small detail from twenty years ago. So that becomes the first ring play production that you're okay. involved in. But then I think the next five 
you are a cast member. Nico mm. probably remembers better than me what those productions were. I'm trying to remember now. Music of the so, Bahamas, yeah. I think, was the next one. And I had yeah, one. It would have been Music of the Bahamas. And then we went on to um, 2002. It was Susan <laughs> Wallace and. Single Seven. Single Seven and um, Father's Day. You can't forget that one of the next plays was your play. Yeah, well, Children's, the children's Teeth. Teeth. Well, we did Macbeth after that again, and then The Children's Teeth. And up until that point, oh. Scott had been. Yeah, with the yeah, checkerboard. With the checkerboard. Mr. Smith. <laughs> that. That little yeah, scene, but Captain it was a Smith. great scene. It was just that was the two pages. That was the scene with the most awkward pauses in. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. That was a very short. I, I was I was very so happy to to be able to to go on a play and just do two three minutes, not understanding. You know, I gotta act my <laughs> butt off if I'm only gonna be. <laughs> It's for two, three minutes. I can't forget one line. I got to get all the, the, the kid, the unsaid moments right. perfect. And I remember Philip, he was giggling when, when the time came. He said, okay, Scott, I need you to do this. But you, okay, no, 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 not like that. That scene okay. with you and Cookie was brilliant so brilliant. funny. It was such, I mean, the pauses okay. were really, it was just one of those scenes that just, it, it just played perfectly. You know, yeah. then, of course, you were a part of that cast and we took that play to Guyana. Guyana. To Carafesto. Yes, that was so much fun, Carafesto. I, I, I'm, I'm so grateful to have had that experience. To, to, I, that's the first time I went to Carafesto. I did not understand how much of, of a learning experience that would be. It was information sharing. I got to see a lot of other productions that the other um, Caribbean countries had put on. We get to compare ourselves to see how far we are. And, you know, it was, that was fun. I'm, I, I really, really do appreciate being able to get to, to go on that trip, on that short scene. In fact, if I remember correctly, I think Lee Callen had a choir and, and you guys like, were told him, you know, he's, he's not going to be in the, in the, in the show the, the, that long. You, you yeah, know. no, there, <laughs> was, there definitely was a group. There was a group performing of singers. There was a group of singers and a lot of them actually had, yeah. because I think Janet was in that. And I think some of the, the one, yes. of, one or two of the Dawson yes. people yeah. were in that. And, yep. and yes, yeah. Some members so, were yeah, yes. that, Dana was exactly. Dana, all of them. Joseph Johnson. Because, yeah, yeah. That, that group sort of so traveled was, to different places to perform. And you definitely had the opportunity uh -huh. to go and sing as a part of that. But we were talking about this yes. um, in one of the episodes with Leah. And we were talking about the mm -hmm. infamous Black Lake. Oh, that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, okay, before I talk about this, what did she say? You know what? Skibo <laughs> also talked Wait. about the Black Lake because Skibo hates water. The I, Black Lake. He could not lake. understand what you guys did that night. He couldn't understand what I did the morning after. She told he you? Definitely not understand what you guys did that, that night. That you actually went swimming in uh, that lake with piranhas. Well, he didn't know. Scott didn't know there was yeah. any piranhas. Scott was just swimming. I did, actually. I, I did. But the way it was explained to me, um, because, you know, it, it was, the, the lake was, oh, my goodness, it was exquisite. It was, it, you did not need to bathe after you, you got out of that lake. You, your skin felt refreshed. In fact, bathing would take away it from the incredible. It was that good. I would yeah, love to go really back was. there again. If only for to, to experience that again. We were in that lake. We went out there to like midnight to the three o'clock in the morning. It was, and it was totally flat. It was nothing happening. Every now and again, you feel a little bit of nibbling <laughs> as you feet. You dismiss it. <laughs> you know, 
but uh, the gentleman who, who was on, on time, I, his, I don't Alini. remember his name. He's, yeah, he was so good. He was, he and I went out swimming and he was telling me about where, as they go through, through the, the typical year where it gets hot and drought and cold and, and the, the water temperatures, uh, the, the levels rise and fall. They have piranhas, they, but they're not, they, they, they're harmless basically. And you don't need to worry about them unless a couple of factors come into play. You have to be bleeding or get cut and the water has to be very low and then no other food sources are available. And I was like, okay, is, is, does, does this count as low? Is the water low now? He said, no. I said, okay, so once I don't get cut, I'm good. He said, yeah. I said, okay, fine, no problem. And I said, you know, and I regret saying this. I said, don't tell anybody else because they will come into water. <laughs> and, you know, seriously, he's saying it's safe. It's totally safe. So if, you know, we behave as we sort of, we're we used to sharks and stingray, you know, sharks in the water, we ain't going in the water. So I did, they didn't tell them until after the fact. And, you know, we, nobody got bit, so all is well. So after the children's teeth, I, I think, I think it was after that that you took kind of a, a break. Yeah, um, yeah. I that was a period where I'm trying to remember what happened during that period, but um, there were a couple of different things happening at the time. I think um, where I had to sort of. Um, decide whether I wanted to continue doing that or not because um, I loved doing stage productions and I love choral singing. Um, that was my, that's my two loves. So I'm trying to remember, I'm trying to remember what I was but, doing at the time now. I'm trying to think if you came back to do anything before you came back for Sammy Swain. Um, well, there was Trinidad where we did. You can lead a horse um, to water. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what you can right. lead a horse to water. We did that. That, that was a biggie. For me, I, I thought I'd done everything. Well, I thought I'd seen it all. I said, guy. yes, I can. Okay. Ah, so we did Sammy Swain before the children's teeth. No. <laughs> no, we did okay. Sammy Swain a lot later. I'm talking about the most recent production of Sammy Swain, the one that airs on TV now. Oh, that one. Yes. Later on. Yeah. Okay, fine. Sammy Swain. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was a lot later on. Um, um, but I was thinking of You Can Leave right. a Horse to Water. Sorry. Yeah. I, I you, the wrong thing. You can that was the production that we took to Trinidad. That was the production that we did in the theater. We took to Trinidad because we've we've since done another yeah. production of it um, at the theater for Shakespeare in Paradise. What are the works that you've actually done in Shakespeare in Paradise? A couple of the productions we did more than once. We did Music of the Bahamas more than once. Music of the Bahamas was That's... the first year of Shakespeare in Paradise. And that was the one that we performed at Greycliff and down at the Marley Resort. Yes. And in the Dundas. Marley Resort. Yeah, that, that right. was the second time I'd done it. And I think that was the third yes, time it was yeah, done we, or something we, like that. We did it, it was in Scotland done in the, 80s, the first time, yeah. 90s, yes. Um, we did The Landlord at least three times, twice, three times. Well, we, you, yeah. I did The Landlord, the most recent one, and I did the one before that with, I'm trying to remember who was in the original, the, the one that I did. But I played the, the uh, Fisherman okay. twice. The first one, Skibo, was, yes. the, was the main character, um, Anthony Roberts. And the second time, Dion. I, I was able to actually, yes, Dion was, was right. the, the main character. So we did that more than once. I, I'm trying to remember if we ever did another production more than once, but I know there are a couple of years where that was, where we would do that. It, that sort of filled in those blank spots that, that I'm trying to remember what we, if we did anything original, but not. But that was it. And the, the, 
but the landlord is is the other big one that 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 I did. That is one of the hardest productions <laughs> I think I've ever done. I <laughs> that was on par with I think that one of the last ones I did was um I think it was one right. of the Shakespeare. You, you, you were in Midsummer, weren't you? Mm-hmm. Midsummer's Night Dream, Night's Dream. That is what but it was. That was one of the last ones I did for a while. I was supposed to do another Shakespearean production the next year. I, so, I wasn't able to do it. The landlord was just as difficult <laughs> as any Shakespearean play. It yeah, is. it's the timing. It's the timing. <laughs> and, it, and it doesn't help when one of the lead characters doesn't know their lines and you have to interact with them. <laughs> oh, my God. You remember? Oh, Philip, I'm sorry. You know what? I don't know if you can put this in the podcast. But anyway, let me ask you. Um, did no, you mean to do that? I mean, not. were you? <laughs> of course not. That was so much work and it was nerve-wracking because every night I was not sure what would happen. And I remember I had to practice my scenes with him so that if he missed the line, we had to learn right. to go we, on we, to the we, we, must, we, we must let oh, everybody know was... that we are not talking about Dion because we called his name before. No, but no, there not was, Yes, there was, a, there was a particular actor <laughs> and it was, it was really painful. Um, but, that was scary. But anyway, we got, we got through that. <laughs> You're listening to Kachika, a podcast that takes you behind the scenes of the Dundas Center for the Performing Arts. You were invited to come to a reading slash sing through of the real thing. I really want you to yeah. tell the story of your impression of that <laughs> rehearsal because you told me this. After the production was done, mm. I, we were at um, my brother's house for something and you came up to me and you told me this story yes. about your experience sitting there doing that particular uh, rehearsal. So so just relay that back, please. <laughs> sure. I was, yes, I was invited to come and do the reading. It, it was It was a new play. I'd never seen it before. And it was similar to Mamma Mia, where yeah, you, yeah. you took the, um, the, the, the music and you made a production out of it. Um, I saw the, you know, usually I can see, okay, this is going to be big. Like previously, uh, we had done once, did we do Once on this yeah, Island? Yeah, we had right done Once that? on this Island before that, yes. You, you, had, you had reprised, yes. you had reprised and with a couple of musicals of um, Papa Gay. Yes, Papa in, Gay. Yes. <laughs> I Demon of Death. I, I was nominated for an Icon Award. I, you know, I would have been grateful to know yeah. um, Novi won it. But, you know, it, it, I see now why they, they thank everybody because it was, I, didn't, I, I honestly don't think if, even if I won that I, 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 there's no way that the cast, your, your direction, everything was, was, was on point. It was, that would not have been good with, without you guys, the, the cast that I had the director of that. Anyway, saying that, we, we did the reading the next, the, for the next rehearsal, uh, production. And I remember thinking, what in the world? Is he? <laughs> I didn't like it. I hated it. I'm like, this is not going to work. This, the, the thought in my head was, has, has Philip Street come to an end? <laughs> it was literally, this, this sucks. <laughs> I didn't get it. I, but you know what? That, that was a flaw on my part. I, I couldn't see what, what you were trying to do. And it never occurred to me that, you know, this, it did not need to be a Pulitzer Prize winning story in order to carry the music. The music carried the, the entire I production. Just, 
a lot of those persons when I, I came no, to see no, no. I, I just remember you coming up to me because, you know, you had seen the production and um, we were at David's house for somebody's birthday or something. And you said, you know, I totally misread yeah. this one. You said, I saw that rehearsal and I thought, <laughs> this is not going to yeah. work. This is going to bomb. This is just <laughs> not going to work. Yes. And then, and then yeah, after you I, saw it, mm-hmm. you were like, oh, my God. <laughs> this, is, this works so well. Yeah. It was one of the best productions I've ever seen. It was, that shocked me. I honestly did think it was going to bomb because I did not understand the drawing mm. power of Eddie Minnis. It didn't. It didn't occur to me. Some of them didn't even. I. Some of those people who came to that, that play, they did not even listen to anything you guys were saying on stage. When the music started, oh, some of them was getting out their seats. I'm like, oh my goodness! And the audience, the audience was mostly persons in their forties, fifties who came to see, and they brought their children, and their children were, were into it too. So I'm like, okay, all right, this is. I, I didn't. This is magic. You guys <laughs> could go on tour with this. This. It was that good. Having an idea of what something is going to look like at the end from the beginning is sort mm. of a gift, I guess. All directors sort of have oh. to to have that, even if, if it's it's a choral director or a stage director, because you have to at least yes. have a sense of what the end result is that you're working toward. And sometimes people come in, like, you know, I remember the first reading we did of a play called The Rhymes of Eldridge. And I remember after reading that with the cast, everybody looked at me like I was crazy. What is this? Where is this going to go? And actually, some people who the first time reading horse and hearing the chorus, choral pieces and hearing the stuff, they just don't know how that fits into what's going on. But when it's over, everybody is constantly, I mean, mm. to this day, every cast that I've, I've, I've had, if if a line comes up, they will repeat. If it comes up on the street in a, sen- in a in a sentence, especially somebody like Kennedy, they will repeat that line mm-hmm. because that line is it's so embedded in them. Uh, you know, they just remember yes. it so well. You know, you also do some mm-hmm. choral stuff now. Which groups yeah. have you sung with? After the National Choir, we did the Once on This Island. We did. And after that, we felt so good about the production that we decided to keep the core group around and, and we formed the High Grove, High Grove yeah, right. Singers High Grove production. Yes. That's and I remember choir. we started the High Grove. And thing. do you still sing with them? Yes. I, yeah, I, I stopped for a while and um, I, I saw them t- singing at Catanza's wedding and I asked, you know, if I could rejoin basically. So I've been singing with them for the last six years now, seven years. Um, but yeah, that was that's one of the main ones that that I sing with. I was invited to sing with um, Eldridge and his choir too. Bel Canto, sorry, yes, I haven't done anything with them from since year before. Um, but yeah, they I was asked to sing with Bel Canto. I I did a but one or two um, performances with them. Um, we were lucky enough to go to Nashville last year. Yeah, the one or two other little things I remember there was a production that. There was a group I started while I was in the National Choir, coming towards the end. Um, there was a friend who asked if I could sing to the, his wedding. I got a couple of fellas together, myself, Dwayne, Wallace. Brian was out by, by then. I think Joseph. Is this, is, is this the group Jones, that became no, we friends for life? But anyway, we, yes. 
we sang one of two things. The group broke up. They put right. it back together. Joseph Bobby, and Dream joined yeah. after that with um, with a couple of other fellas. Yeah, they became yes, they became friends for life, and they did pretty well. That was one of the other groups. I, I, yeah, I was at there from the beginning. It's, Every now and again, you know, if they'd have little projects, I know Novi did something, she asked for, for singers, but I'm lucky enough to be part of that original group of National Choir members where anytime anybody has a little project going on, if they want to do a concert, if they want to do something, you know, they can, they can always call any one of us and say, hey, yo, I want to do something. Um, let me email you the music. You see if you're interested, we, get, we go and do it and get out. And, and that is actually, I'm lucky enough because I was on, stage at the Dundas and I, I was able because of my time in the choir to do one or two shows and movies it spread over to other different things to, to voice commercials to uh, television to movies um, oh by the way Nico um, did Philip tell you about the, yes, the video uh, the movie the short film I sent him <laughs> yes, the one did. you sent me in August <laughs> <laughs> August <laughs> I, will, I really wanted an impartial a, a, a critique. Cr um, critique on, on, on yeah. <laughs> yeah, he didn't say anything. You know, I, I took that as, as a. <laughs> and, a and, and come and to find out that, that, come to that he hadn't seen it at all. <laughs> yes. Today, <laughs> I, Today go, I, I go to WhatsApp <laughs> to get in touch with Scott to do this podcast, and I see this message from him back in August, and I'm like, I don't remember seeing this. And it says, you know, I'm sending you a link to this movie that I've done and I want your opinion on it. And I said, oh, well, <laughs> right now he thinks that I think he sucked, <laughs> but I will get around to watching it. <laughs> I appreciate it. Because of Green Paint Production and Anashi Choir, because of my experience in both of them, I, I'm, I, my name comes up in certain circles or has come up in certain circles when they want to do certain things. You know, they, they oh, that's Scott Adley. You know, and I would like to think that I've got, the, you know, I, I put myself up by my own bootstraps, but I was, um, I was lucky enough and I was in the right place at the right time and I had people around me who were more than happy to, well, you know, help, help me up. Um, Sammy Bethel was the headmaster at St. Anne's. It was, you were there, Oklopi was there. I would not have well, got, been you, able to get you, these other things if it wasn't for you guys. also say that you would not you have know, been so able to do these things. things if you did not have talent. What you do. There are a lot of people you can thank <laughs> for opening doors yeah. and having opportunities. And, you know, I think we do that for a lot of people, but some of them, the talent isn't there and constant and you are versatile in being able to move on stage, being able to sing on stage and being able to act on stage. And, you know, triple threats are really hard to come by. And so there's certain kinds of roles that people would definitely look to you to do. We hope to be looking to, to do stuff as soon as yes. we get through this COVID stuff and get back on stage because, you know, there's much mm -hmm. land to be possessed, as a certain political party used to say years and years ago. We say it every week, but, mm -hmm. you know, we're all looking forward to just getting back there. And I know that you will be a part. You have ring play in your blood. Yes. So there we have it. Thanks for taking the time yes. and uh, talking Thank with you. us, and we'll chat soon. <laughs> Thank you. This was a pleasure. <laughs> I did not know it would be this much fun, actually. This is great. I, I love it. You've been listening to Kachika, a podcast that takes you behind the scenes of the Dundas Center for the Performing Arts, a production of Ringplay Productions. This has been a conversation with... 
Scott Adderley, Philip A. Burroughs, and Nicolette Bethel. <laughs>